And it's about fellowship. And it's something that we're talking about building foundations. And this is something that is absolutely vital in the life of Christianity. I've struggled with this message because I've struggled with this in my own life. And, uh, but I have come to realize how vital this is in Christianity. It's not an option. It is not an option. You're going to find out how, how, how this is the life of Christianity. This is the life of the church. And, uh, and, and where we're headed in the future, we must go here. We must go here. And uh, we are a body and we are joined together, and God designed it that way. And, uh, and it's, it's, it, there's no option in the Scriptures to be dislocated or disassociated with that body. I cannot take a part of my body and, uh, and, and it not work with the other parts. We, we are one unit. We are one body, and, and Christ is our head. And so uh, life flows through that. And, uh, and so uh, we, 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 we've got to get this right now. And uh, there is an attack on this right now. Right now in the world like never before and so uh, and, and it's and it's come even into the churches and and it, it, it's got to stop and, and, and the, the, the division this has to be the place where we are united in love so that the world can know uh, that we are his disciples and so we've got to get this right we've got to there's no other option or the world will not be able to see God and so we're going to look at this today and uh, I hope we're going to I hope we're going to unpack it like I said I have struggled I have struggled yesterday my wife was praying for me it's been a tough and this morning I think maybe I got revelation uh, somewhat and I hope the rest comes as we're preaching but uh, for this to just really open up into our spirits today so father we love you we thank you God for your word we thank you God God, for the messages that have been coming forth from this uh, pulpit this year, God, to help us become uh, on solid ground, on a firm foundation, God, because anyone who's, uh, everything is being shaken that can be shaken, and we've said that was coming for years, and it's here, and God, every institution that we put our trust in apart from you is now crumbling at the seams, it's falling to pieces, and God, we have to be on something that is solid. We have to be on something that is steadfast, unmovable, something that is sure. And God, we've got to get on biblical foundation, biblical truths, God. And we have to stay on this now because, God, it's vital. It's vital now that in the days that we're living, God, that we, that we, that we, that we get on a firm foundation, Lord. God, that our feet will not slip, that our feet will not be moved, God. Uh, like that old song, I shall not be moved. Just like a, a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. And though the tempest rages, I shall not be moved. On the rock of ages, I shall not be moved, God. Lord, I, I, I'm so concerned for the church in America. I'm so concerned for this church. I'm so concerned for this body. I'm concerned about the days ahead, God, that, that we remain in you. That we remain in you. That we remain in the principles of this book, God. We can't play games, God. The hour is so late, God. Casual Christianity will not cut it in the days that we're headed into, God. Lord, we must, 
We must, we must know you. We must have our own relationship with you now. We must be in Christ. We must know you, God. Like, Lord, if, if all we have is a, a religion, God, then we just have what the rest of the world has. But God, Christianity is a relationship. It moves beyond religion. It's the only one that has a relationship with the God of the universe. And oh God, we must press through beyond the veil and we must know you now, God. Lord, my sons have to have their own relationships, God. My, my daughter-in-laws have to have their own relationship, God. Lord, my wife has to have her own relationship. And every person in this church has to have their own relationship with you, God. And God, things have been exposed lately in all of us, God. And there's a lot of things that I saw in my own life and in our church and in this nation and in this world that, God, I don't like. I don't like what I saw when everything shut down and God, how unprepared we really are and were. And God, I want to be prepared, God, for these days that we're living in and you're the only one that can prepare us. So God, we turn to you with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. We forsake our, God, our wisdom. We forsake our agendas. We forsake our plans. We forsake our church planning, God. And we ask, we want to appeal to the same, same thing that the early church did when they went into an upper room and they began to gather together and wait on the promise of the Father. And you began a church there in that upper room, God. You filled them with something that they didn't possess of their own. God came. God came down. And God came down to live inside of each and every one of them, God. And they became a body on this earth, God. They became a body, Jew and Gentile, black and white, rich and poor, red and yellow, God. Every, out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and language, God. And the world and the earth could look upon them and know that there is a God in heaven that loves them, God. Your body was moving in the earth God and may your body move one more time in this earth and shake this world for God one more time God and Lord may we be some small part of that connected to them Lord in the world God and Lord we know the end is coming very soon and we want to be ready God help us not to be selfish any longer help us not to be self-motivated but be Christ motivated help us not to be selfish and unconcerned about the world around us God Lord as the blind man in Mark 10 God that was by the road and the crowd would have passed him by but Jesus heard his voice and stopped God, let us stop for the one. Let us stop for those that, 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 that are crying, God, out for God. Lord, let us not be so in our Game Boys, Playstations, whatever they are today. Not in our televisions and internets and all the foolishness of mankind that's bogged the church down and gotten us away from the heart of God. Move us again with your heart, Lord, with your compassion, with your hands and your feet on this earth. Reach through us and touch this world through Jesus Christ, Lord. We love you, God. We want to live for you and not for ourselves any longer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Christianity, as I said, is a relationship and persecution is coming. I heard a preacher yesterday, I was listening to a podcast and a preacher and he was talking and he said, I believe the persecution that's about to come on America is going to be worse than any persecution that we've seen. He said, he said, I think it's going to be worse than China. He said, the acceleration of what's coming and what, because, they, because there's a fear that if we don't seize the opportunity now, if we don't take the, if we don't, if we don't, because there's this power struggle and there's this, there's this wanting power at all costs without lawlessness. 
And, and, and I tell you, right now, there's division between Democrat, Republican, black, white, everywhere, the church, this, this contemporary, conservative, this, that, contemporary, traditional, all this junk dividing everywhere. But I can tell you where it's going to turn soon. It always turns right here. It always turns on the church in the end. And it's, it's coming. It's coming down the pipe. When they, eventually, the world will unite in its, in its, uh, in, in its, uh, 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 to come together. And what they'll come against is the people of God. You can just bet on it. Take it to the bank. Read this book. It's always been. It always has been. It culminates all the way to a valley where the whole world is fighting against the people of God and against God Himself. Amen? called Armageddon. It just has always been. And, it, and it's coming again. And one thing COVID that, that revealed and accelerated the process of these things, to me it revealed we're not ready. Even my own heart. I mean, do you realize we shut down everything? I mean, every church in the world. Do you see how easy it was to shut down every church in the whole world? Every business in the whole world? Everything shut down, folks. And nobody knew what was going on and knew what was happening. Right? Now God knew. God, God knew exactly what He's doing and what He's allowing. But I'm going to tell you what. Uh, we, 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 uh, we're going to need God in this last hour. We're going to need uh, God to prepare our hearts. And we're going to need what I'm preaching on today. And that is koinonia, or fellowship. It is the fellowship of the body of Christ that we're going to need. It's a term that's found in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42. Look at this pa passage of Scripture. And it says, And they devoted themselves... They devoted themselves. That word devoted means they glued themselves to these things like super glue, Raymond. This is what they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. When you talk about foundation, this is what the early church, if God's going to build a church, and this is one of the first things they come out of as they're growing this new, this new church that is growing, that is filled with the life and power of God, here is what they devoted or superglued themselves to. To the apostles' teaching or doctrine, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. If we're not doing those things, something's wrong. That's what the people of God have always devoted themselves and should devote themselves to. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That's what we talked about last week in this church, about, about seeing a demonstration. There was a demonstration going on that the world could see that was coming out of those things. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common there was a common unity and they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need boy I didn't see anybody do that with their stimulus check me myself and I I can't wait to go out and run and buy a new plasma tv or whatever there is to buy today they had all they sold their property their possessions to give to anyone who had need Every day they continued to meet together. Every day. Oh, we got to go to church again. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And if that wasn't enough, 
They broke bread in their homes together and they ate together with gladness and with sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. God, get the church to look like that again. So when they came together, they had four aspects. They came together, and they had the apostles teaching, they had fellowship, they had the breaking of bread, and they had prayer. Now back when I got into church, when I came, and, and this happened naturally, because here's what we've done. Back in the 70s and the 80s and 90s, and when I came and got saved in the church, a lot of things were going on, and these are great things. And in fact, we're going to start some of this here too. But they, they, if you heard a lot of the terms, uh, uh, community groups, cell groups, those type things, that you heard a lot of that, and it was all based on Acts 42, it was all based on these, but it was, a lot of the times it was more programmed wise than it was natural wise. And, and here we see something that's not programmed in the early church. This Luke is just happening. This is happening. The Spirit is falling in these people and all of a sudden this is what they're devoting themselves to. As they're joined to Christ this is what is coming out of a life of Jesus Christ. They begin to move in this area and all of a the sudden they began, what began to engage was remarkable. It's what they began to do together. It just, just came naturally. It was organic. Like going by an organic stuff that's natural. They, they were just moving organically into these areas and it became natural for them to say when they got together, hey, we're going to have some teaching. It just became natural for them to say, Luke, hey Luke, when you come over this week, would you, you, you heard more, you for goodness sakes, you're writing a gospel. You're writing these things down. Would you come by the house? I've got a group together. Would you share what it was like? Would you share some things? And then they say, hey, Mark, you were literally there. You walked with him. Hey, would you come and talk to our group and begin to share more about Jesus? Tell us what it was like on those nights where you camped out in the desert with him. Tell us what it was like when you walked there. Tell us what it was like with the feeding of the five thousand. Teach us these things. And so it began to become natural just for them to come together. And as they began to gather, they wanted to gather because they had a common unity. They had the love of Christ. They had the bond of Christ. They had all these things flowing in their life. And all of a sudden when they came together, it was just natural that they began to come together and teach. They began to teach. And we're going to talk more about that next week. We're going to talk about what was that apostle's doctrine? What was it really? And how this life of teaching just began to come out and experienced in this group that they were doing. But not only that, and, and see, here's what that word kononia means. It means joint participation. Yeah, not just watching this guy up here. Joint participation. A body. A body, a group of people that is alive, a people that is moving together, that is participating in the plan of God in the earth. They're emerged by a people that know Christ and now have this zeal to, 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 to move into the things of God. And so they began to come together and they said, hey, it became natural to have teaching. But then it became natural as they gathered in those temple courts to say, hey, Daniel, why don't you come by the house? Hey, I know we've been 
been standing out in these courts a long time talking about the things of God. Why don't you come over Friday night and we'll fellowship together. And I got Joe and Amy coming and I got this one coming and I got that one coming. And so why don't you come over and, and all of a sudden naturally fellowship began to break out and they began to experience fellowship. And then as they were gathered together in those places, they began to say, come on, let's have something to eat. Because good church people and good fellowship and good gatherings together usually come around somebody getting out something and having something to eat. One of my favorite things when I go to the mission field is going into somebody's house, crowding as many people as we can around Naku's table, around Sasha's table, around Victor's table, and all this food begins to come from there, from them, and all these Christians gathered around this table, and we begin to eat, and we begin to laugh, and Melvin begins to tell stories, and we begin to laugh more, and Dad begins to tell stories, and all these things are happening in this community of believers, and it goes in and out. Sometimes we're talking about church services and serious matters and things going on in the world, and sometimes we're just laughing, man, Terry. We're just telling jokes, and we're just in community, loving each other, and finding strength from one another, and encouraging one another, and building our faith with each other, and it's simply marvelous. And then they begin to say things like this. I notice you, I notice you, Taylor, you need, there, there's a need in your life. And I don't have the money right now, but I tell you what, I've got a piece of property and I'm going to sell that. And when I get that property, I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. Or, you know, I got an old car. It doesn't run, but we'll get it running because I know you need a car. And we got a mechanic in the church, and we got this one, and this joint participation began to come together, and they're just moving in this way, and they're helping each other, and they're moving, and then they begin to say things like this, hey, before we leave, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for tomorrow. You said you had a big thing tomorrow, Nana. Let's pray for that. Hey, you're having a test at the doctor's office. Hey, let's gather around and let's pray for Mark before we leave. And this wasn't some kind of just forced or this planned thing. This is happening supernaturally and organically by the Spirit of God. And they are devoting themselves to these things. And it emerged as they had a zeal for God. In Ephesians, Paul comes by years later and he says this in Ephesians 4.3. He says, we need to maintain this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. I'm going to tell you what, I'm just going to be real today. Because I've struggled for two days. It ain't easy being a pastor today. Because every decision you make today, you know what that woman spends 99.9, she's the hero here. 99% of her life doing? No. Putting out fires from people. Because when we do one thing or make one decision, Ten people are calling her mad. Not encouraging. Not saying, hey, we're getting behind you. Not saying we're going to pray. And it ain't just here. It's every church on the face of the earth. And that's why pastors are leaving the flock and the people of God in droves today. So many opinions. 
Everybody's got an opinion. I don't like this person. I don't like this. Read the Bible. We'll just keep going back. Read the Bible. You're not supposed to hate your brother. And still, we got to come back. Over and over and over and over. Like the Corinthian church, you're just saying, please, me too. Grow up, Brad. Grow up. Grow up in the maturity of the faith. Folks, I'm telling you, the hour is so late. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then he comes in verse 13. Maintain the unity of the faith until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become a mature person. You brag about being mature. To be unified with the body of Christ, with the Baptists, with the Methodists, with the Nazarene, with the Pentecostals. Paul sees the need for continued unity. He saw the necessity of koinia. This is the life of the early church that they sought after. The world will know that God has sent me because of the emergence of this love in this body. The love, the unity. The bond of peace. I'm not saying we don't disagree, folks. We are different. We're different personalities. You bring rich, poor, black, white. Yes, we're going to have disagreements. Yes, we're going to disagree over, over duck and sprinkle and all these other things. But they're not to divide us to a point that we can't worship together. They're not to divide us to a point that we hate each other. They're not to divide the church of Jesus Christ. The world will know that we're His disciples by the love we have one for another. Amen? It's like Carter Conlon said. When there's people starving on the mission field, and maybe that's what it's going to take in America. And you're climbing up a hill to give somebody their substance for food. You're carrying goats and chickens up a hill for people that have nothing. And you're taking those up a hill. You don't care if you're carrying them with a Methodist or a Baptist or a Pentecost or a Nazarene. You're not talking doctrine. You're trying to carry something up a hill so somebody can live and eat and know the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. There's a time and a place for all the other. But my gosh, we're dividing the body of Christ in this last hour. And the Son of God, I know His heart just breaks. Paul comes on the scene and he says the unity is around Christ. It's around Christ. It's, it's built around the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If you're in the body of Christ, if you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you're born again, then you are a son and daughter of God and you're my brother and you're my sister and we may agree on everything uh, on a lot of things and we may disagree on some but you're my brother you know what Paul you know what my, Carter Collins said when we get to heaven you know what he said we're going to spend the first thousand years doing Mark the first thousand years he said at the throne of God going wow was I wrong wow was I wrong on that and that and that, and that. I say it all the time, Augustine at his deathbed, one of the men who wrote the most incredible words that we read sometimes. Early church father. And here's the words he wrote. He died and he came back for just a second and he said, I've seen the Lord and everything I ever wrote was straw. And then he died. 
In other words, everything I wrote is not the half has been told. I got news for you, folks. All these sermons can burn because I hadn't even got the, I hadn't even, it just the, I hope I've given you some glimpse of salvation. I hope I've given you a glimpse of God. I hope I've given you enough to, to, to receive Christ into your heart. But I'm telling you what, we're going to spend eternity and you'll never exhaust God. You're going to be staring at Him forever and you're going to still be crying out with the angels, holy, 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 because you see something new and something great and something more grand. And a lot of you right now look like you're so bored and it's because you haven't seen him if you'll just catch a glimpse of the glory of God then your eyes and the countenance of your heart and your face will light up and you won't be thinking just get me out of church this is the life they sought after in the early church it was organic, it was alive, and it was be, to be participated in, and they devoted themselves to this. And let me talk about on this first one about dealing with unity. The next one I will talk about the Apostles' Doctrine. Then the next one I'll talk about breaking bread and what that looks like. Let me tell you what unity is not. Unity is not a look-alike. It's not like a bunch of penguins like we see huddled up, all walking and huddled together and they all march together. It's not a look-alike. It is diversity joined together like a symphony. You ever been to a symphony? Come on, we hated it when we went to Children's Theater and Symphony. Right? Come on. Remember? You bought the ticket so you could get out of class? You like children's theater a little better if they were showing something good? The symphony? Eh. Okay, but the symphony, what would happen? And I don't remember it so much when I was there because we never got there early, but I did take a college class in music and I had to go to the symphony. A little better, not a whole lot better than when I was young. But I did get there early enough and they're in the orchestra pit and they have all of these instruments. And it sounds like pathetic. I mean, they're just all warming up and they're all not together. And you got all this diversity of instruments. But you let the maestro or the conductor come up and you watch the sheets come out in unison. And they go up on the stands and their instruments go up. And all of a sudden he... And the most beautiful sounding music comes out of that place. Not one flaw, just amazing. That is what the unity of the church of Jesus Christ is to look like. A whole lot of people that are diverse and they are different and they come together and somehow there's blue collar, white collar, this one, that one. They have this background. They have this kind of uh, political bent. They have this kind of political bent. And all of a sudden they got all these giftings. One has a gifting. He's a little more artsy. One has a gifting. They're a little more teaching. One has a gifting. They're into this and they're into music and all of that. But somehow when the great conductor Jesus Christ comes up and waves the baton, they get together and they begin to move in unison throughout the earth as the director leads and somehow all the gifts are brought together in the body and in the church of Jesus Christ and God's Spirit moves through His body all over the earth and lives and souls are touched and won and brought into the kingdom of God. Amen. Through koinia, through fellowship with one another. Hallelujah. 
Let's look at Old Testament unity and New Testament unity, and then we'll close. Psalms 133. This is what Old Testament unity looked like in the, in, in the Word of God. Now, we've been studying a lot on covenant, and we're going to keep on. Old Testament unity, or, or, or Old Testament, would have, would, what have we said? It's a do gospel. You do this, and I'll do that. And, and, and so the Old Testament is a dude gospel. You do this and I'll do that. You keep my law, I'll bless you. And so here's what unity looked like in the Old Testament. Look at Psalms 133. How good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. It's, it's, it's this anointing. When we come together, there's an anointing that separates us. That's what the anointing was. It separated them from the world so that they could know these are the people of God. Aaron consecrated himself. They anointed the priest. He was set apart. When we come together in unity, it's like the oil of God, the anointing of God sets us apart from the world. And the people of the world can start looking at us and saying, there's God. There is a God. There is a God in this world. There is a God, and here's what He looks like. And it will show that we are His disciples. And, and then He goes on to say, it's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. He says, when this begins to happen on this dry parched land, it's like dew that satisfies thirsty humanity. They're set apart when they're unified. They are a picture to the world that God is alive and loves them. A picture of oneness of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the people of God in unison together. And it's like a drink for the thirsty soul of humanity. Hey, we're thirsty. We tried everything. We tried drugs. We tried alcohol. But hey, we ain't tried that. And look at the dew falling in that place. Look at the, look, there's thirst. Those people's thirst are satisfied. I'm going there. I'm going to try God. I'm going to try God Almighty. For there, when we're in that kind of unity, in that kind of place, there the Lord bestows His blessing even, and it's amazing, life forevermore. Now when you take dwelling together in unity, it sounds like the penguins. That if we just come together with some sort of unity and muster up in our somehow seeming unified, that God will command His blessing down on us. But that's not what this psalm is about. It's called a psalm of ascent. There were three main Jewish festivals that you, would, that you were, were, were encouraged to go to at least one of them throughout the year. And when you went up to those festivals, you would be together and you would sing these psalms as you went up to Jerusalem. And so as they would go up to this festival once a year, they would go together as a group and coming in, coming in, going headed towards the temple, and they would sing these songs. Probably this one at a certain festival, well, not probably, 
Galilee, they would sing this Psalm 133 as they're going up to one of these festivals and, and, and they would come singing these songs in unison. And the word brethren, it's good when brethren dwell together. That means those who are related. In other words, it means uh, the, the, the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes are related. They're related. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. So when they, it's not just random people. It's the people of God. When the people of God dwell together, when they come together, it was a great moment. They're singing this song. They're going up to meet with God. They're gathering together unto the Lord. That's where they're headed. They're headed to Jerusalem. They're headed for the purposes of God. And God is saying, if you come unto me in this manner, if you do this, I will come down unto you. You come to my purposes. You come as a group. You come as a group of related people. You meet with me. You're not just coming randomly. You're not just coming singing kumbaya. But you are coming for a purpose. And it's my purpose. You are being gathered together unto me. And when you do that as a group together, then I'm going to bless you. And that's where this blessing is attached. And it talks about Aaron, who's the first high priest, talked about that when they would come together, they'd build their tents around the tabernacle. They'd meet with God. When they meet with God, the glory would come down. When they had finished their sacrifices, he sprinkled the mercy seat. They knew it was accepted by God. The Shekinah glory would come down in their midst, blessing and life forevermore. And when we come together like this, they were saying, God is going to bless us. That's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? The New Testament is a believe gospel. The old is a do gospel. If you do this, if you all take a trip and a pilgrimage to here and to where I am and my purposes are and you're related and you come together unto me on that mountain and you do this, then my blessing is going to come down because you're gathered to get to me. You're gathered around me and to me. And so they would do that. And when they did that, you would see this blessing come down. But now the New Testament is a believe gospel and things completely change. If you believe this, then I will do that for you. If you'll so John 17, the Father is there and Jesus is praying to the Father and he begins to talk about the oneness that they have with one another. He begins to talk about the fellowship that they have with one another, the communion that they have with one another. And in John 17, he prays something very interesting for us. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. So those who believe through our message, right? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The Father and the Son are one. He's coming. I only do what the Father says. I only, I only act by the Father. I'm always connected to the Father. I'm one with the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You're seeing the Father's love right now. You're seeing the Father's grace right now. You're seeing the Father's mercy right now. And now Jesus is leaving and Jesus is praying, God, now I'm coming back with you, restoring to me the glory we had. We're one. We're together. Now you got to do it for them so that the world will see what they saw when I was here 
here. But now they're going to see it in 123,000, 5,000, 10,000, millions all over the world. Dear God, make them one just like we are one. I and you, you and them, me and them, them and me. So that when they take this message to the world and they're unified in us, that the world may see that I love the world. Oneness produces the results of Acts 2.42. It automatically, organically produces out of this oneness with God, out of this oneness with the Father, we move into this love organically of devoting ourselves to His Word, teaching His Word. I've got to teach the young generation His Word. They've got to continue to know His Word. Uh, we've got to fellowship together. We've got to break bread. We've got to look after each other. We're a body. We're a people. And they, it just begins to flow. It just begins to happen because that's what the Father did to the Son. What did we say on the cross? I'll never leave you nor forsake you even when you fail. I I'll still be with you. Oneness. Son, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. I'll never, we will never be apart from me. And, 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 and now he's saying to his body, us, Father, those that, be, that, that are here in the future, May they be one with us, just the same, that the world may see us and, and, and this message may go forth and the world may believe and know that, 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 that we love them. Look at verse 23. It says, that all of them may be one, Father, just, or 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, I have given them the glory glory that you have given me that they may be one even as we are one I in them you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity you know how we're unified the revelation that we're one in Christ not the revelation that we're one around contemporary music. Not the revelation that we're one around traditional music. Not the revelation that we're one around a hymn book. Not the revelation that the coffee pot goes on this side of the counter rather than that side of the counter. Not the revelation that the guitar is too loud. Not the revelation that we're Baptists. Not the revelation that we're Pentecostal. The revelation... That we are one in Christ. That we're joined to Christ. That we're joined to each other. That we're one in Messiah. That we're one in Him. That He loves you. That He loves the world. That He loves all of us. And that He wants to make disciples in the world. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. He's saying by this oneness and revelation of oneness in Christ, by this unity, the world will see and know that I love them. 
just as much as God, you love me and I love you. That they're cared for, that they're loved. And how will you get them to know this? How will they know about this? When we start connecting with each other. When we start loving each other. When we start opening our homes to each other. When we let the walls down of protection. Are you going into heaven with that wall? Come on, I'm battling these walls in my own heart. And I'm, I'm telling God, tear it down, kick it down. Send a missile. I got them too. I got them when I come in this church and there's certain people I want to see and cer- certain ones I'm guarded against. and certain I don't want that. I'm saying, God, that's not what your word says. I'm not obeying you fully if that's what I'm doing. Somehow you got to deal with this in me. Yeah, I've been wounded in the past. Yes, I've had, but I've got a God that loves me. And I'm in Him and He's in me. And I'm complete in Him now. How will they know this love? When we start to connect in our homes, when we begin to do this teaching with one another, when we begin to break bread and fellowship with one another, when we begin to, to, to be committed to one another, and, and when we begin to, to, uh, to, to love each other, when we begin to pray with one another, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. I want them to be where I am. He is living inside of you, folks. I have a pastor that I love. He said he he walked around for a year with a bottle in his shirt like this. Because he said, I could not get the concept. And this is where I struggled all week with this message, by the way. He said, I could not get the concept of Christ living in me. That he's not up there, that he's right here. And he said, I just, for a whole year, he said, everywhere I went, oh, there's that guy with the water bottle. But he said, I lived in New York, so nobody cared. So they're all crazy anyway. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Christ, the Spirit is in you. The thing that joins the body together is the Spirit in the body. And the Spirit in the body joins us with the group up the road and joins us with the group across the pond and joins us with the guy in the house over here that's a Christian and joins us together, the Bible says. And we have 24 hours, 7 days. That's why he wore that bottle in there. He wanted to have 20, he wanted to remember that 24-7 God lives in him. 24-7. And so if God lives in him 24-7, out of this unity is born this unity. And so the revelation of Christ in you is the hope of glory. I have fellowship with God 24-7. I don't have to find Him. He abides in me. I'm joined with Him. And so now it's natural to have these other things. Let me give you a quick, in closing, little, little demonstration here. Maybe I'll just do this. Marcy doesn't know I got her thread. 
Hope she doesn't need brown thread. So, if I take this thread right here and I pull on it, I can snap it, right? But if I take... Oh, man, I'm nervous. But if I take one... Two, three. Three little small pieces of thread right here. And I put those together and I twist them up a little bit. And then I put them together. I pull my fingers off. I can't break it. Some of you have been living out there by yourself. And I'm going to tell you what, in the days and where we're headed, it's not going to be good. Because you see what came in the early church quickly. Persecution, all sorts of things, and they begin to be scattered. But they stayed. The Spirit of God kept them together, and they kept doing. They devoted themselves. I guess that's what I'm asking you today. I guess that's my altar call. Really, I didn't know what. I guess that's my altar call. They 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 super glued themselves to those four things. Are you going to super glue yourself? Are you going to devote? yourself to the apostles teaching which we'll learn about in the future fellowship which I think we probably as a church there's some but I think because of me I'll take the blame but it's going to change that that we've struggled in that category breaking of bread and prayer And, and, and they devoted themselves it wasn't a formula it, 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 was, it, was, it, it, it was a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle. And, and it made the early church strong. It made them strong, folks. The reason we're not strong as a body in America is we're fragmented, man. We are fragmented off everywhere. We are divided. We come in here, choo, we're gone. Many of us don't have a friend in here. I'm just going to be real again. I don't know. You might want to cut the tape. I don't care. We get accused all the time of having clicks in this church. And I'm going to be honest. The only click is the one you've taken yourself outside of. Last, because, because the groups that I see meeting and doing things are the ones who have opened their hearts up to each other. And the others are sitting on the outside, bitter and angry and upset. I don't think I've ever turned down an invitation to go eat with somebody or for a group to go eat with somebody. Last week, John, you came up to the first time to me and said, would you like to go eat with our family? And we went and we had the best time, did we not? Had the best time at Applebee's. Got to know John and Cindy and Taylor and Jacob more than I ever have. But we got to stop, folks. We got to open our lives up to each other. We got to open our homes up to each other. We got to open our, 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 our 
We, 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 and, we, and we've got to stop tearing each other down. Because this is while the way the world's going to know that we're His. By the unity that we have in Him. We've got to break walls. We've got to break walls down with the church down the road, with the church here, with the black church down there. We've got, we got, we got, we got to come together in Christ. Father, I in them and they in me, that the world may see this love and know that they're my disciples. So, Father, God, I just pray. God, if we're going to have a solid foundation in the last hour, God, when, dis, when there's disunity, I'll tell you how dangerous it is, Father. When there's disunity in a church, you can feel it. And you know why you can feel it, God? I'm just talking to you, God. We're having a conversation right now. Because there's death there. Because your presence is not there. Where there is unity, there is your presence and there's life forevermore. And Father, when you go into church and one group stands and worships when a certain song comes on and one, one sits when the other, it's disunity and it's death and you can feel the death. You can feel the presence of God leave the room and I'd hate to be that group of people. I'd hate to be, I, I will hate to stand before the throne one day and find out I was the cause of disunity and the presence of God leaving a place. You can feel it. You can feel it, Lord. Those people, I've been there, I've done it. And, 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 and you can't see what, what's being done, but God, it's like the life is sucked out of the room. Bitterness between another member of the church because we haven't done what's right to go make that thing straight. And Lord, you can just feel the disunity. You can just feel the coldness, the deadness, the lifelessness. Certain speakers come or certain people sing and God, you can just, you can just feel it. You can just feel the, the presence of God. It ain't the person up there doing the singing and the teaching. It's the, it's the people in the audience, God. Breaking the unity. Sometimes it's the people on the stage. If I put Jesus on the screen, we ought to be able to worship. I don't care what kind of music's behind it. I ought to be able to lift God up. If I put a man that can't speak and has one tooth in his head, I ought to be able to, or a woman, I ought to be able to receive from God if they're preaching out of this Bible. If I put a young person or an old person, if I put a black person or a white person, if I put a male or a female, we ought to be able to receive from God. Lord, your prayer was for unity. I, I feel like Francis, I was watching a Francis Chan video. He's written a book on unity. He got he was preaching. 
He said, I don't know what to do, so I'm just yelling. (laughs) But it's starting somewhere. And God, I don't really know what to do either. I can't fix the church of Jesus Christ in America or around the world, or much less not even this one, God. But you can. This is your body. This is your bride. And God, I know that your prayer before you left this earth was, Father, may my body be one in the earth. God, may my body be one. May they be one so that the world, God, may know the love that I have for the world. And they know that these have been sent by me with my message and that they can be saved. So God, Lord, unite us. Bring us together. Help us, God, to look like your body in the earth and to look like your son, Jesus, and to act like your son and to walk like your son, to talk like your son and to think like your son and for this book to transform our lives, God. And Lord, yes, help us to be long-suffering with one another and overlook each other's flaws and failures and be long-suffering with each other too. Let there be such a love. You are the perfect one. And God, we thank you for that, Lord. But bring us to the maturity of the faith by the unity, by the, by the revelation of the oneness that we have in you.